Now, it may be that somebody who's here or watching this knows that person, or it could be that you know someone who knows them. As you're praying, think laterally about who you know. If any of you knows a clergy person, they might know our next associate vicar. If any of you knows anybody who works with children or young people who's a Christian, then they may just be looking for a change into church work and might like a job that ties together all our work in that area. Uh, you may just have the answer uh, when you pray. So if that's you, just get, get that off to people. That really is all I have. Um, so Laura is going to come and read for us. Good morning. I think it's going all right so far, Mark, so I hope I didn't mess this bit up. So our reading this morning is from Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 12, and it can be found in your pew Bibles on page 1,210. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood, and you have forgotten that words of encouragement that addresses you as sons. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines those he loves, and punishes everyone he accepts as a son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. Moreover, we all have had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of our spirits and live? Our fathers disciplined us for a little while, and they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good, that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you very much. If you've got your Bibles open, I'd encourage you to keep them open at uh, Hebrews chapter 12. If you didn't pick one up, can I encourage you to pick one up? I think they're in front of you, page 12 at 10. We'll be looking at it together in a moment. And just want to say thank you for the invitation, thank you for your welcome, and thank you for all that you are doing as uh, the people of God in this place at this time, as you seek to live out for Jesus, wherever you find yourselves uh, every day. Thank you for the mission and ministry of God that you're actively involved in 
and pursuing and want to acknowledge your faithfulness and encourage you to keep running the race. And that's what we're going to be thinking about in a moment. So as we do that, shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word to us this morning. And as we reflect on this passage from Hebrews chapter 12, please would you open our eyes, our hearts, our ears, our minds, our souls, everything that we are, that we might hear from you be encouraged and grow as your disciples because we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The young Christian couple were very much in love having met at university. After about five years of going out with each other, they were finally married, no longer having to say goodbye at train stations or spending countless hours on the phone each week. Now they were husband and wife. What a joy. And after a few years of married bliss, they decided to have a family. But to their surprise, nothing seemed to be happening in that regard. Life until that point had been very straightforward and comfortable. And after a few years of trying to have children, there was no pitter-patter of tiny feet to be heard. At that point, a whole host of medical examinations began for both, leading to surgery for the wife and innumerable visits to the hospital. As usual, like many of you, it sounds, the couple went to New Wine, as they did each summer with their church. And it was there on one occasion that they heard a talk on the way that God prunes the vine in John chapter 15. And they felt that the Lord was saying to them that he was disciplining them. In the relative comfort of their life, they sensed that God was calling them to abide in him more and more and to become more like Jesus. They sensed that not having children was about God pruning them for greater fruitfulness in the whole of their lives in the future. Whilst they felt a degree of comfort in that, it did not make the reality of not having children any easier. Being members of a church with loads of young families around them all the time made it hard So it was navigating every Mother's Day or baptism service. How they longed that God would answer their prayers for the desires of their hearts to be parents. Finally, when they had submitted themselves to God and come to that place where they were content if they never had children, the wife became pregnant And after seven long years of trying, my son Joshua was born, and he'll be 21 this October. Those years of discipline at the Lord's hand were hard, gruelling, full of tears, of anger, of asking the question, why? But they were also accompanied by times of joy 
of hope, of prayerful intimacy with our loving Heavenly Father, of knowing the true support and love of others around us, together with the reassurance of answered prayers and receiving God's continued blessings despite the heartache and the longing. Life is hard, but God is good, as we have already sung. God is good all of the time. I would imagine that some of you here this morning are only too acutely aware of how hard life is for you at the moment. I don't know what it is that you might be facing today. I don't know what burden the Lord may be asking you to carry or in what ways he might be disciplining you at the moment or how he is going to discipline you in the future. But the writer to the church in Hebrews is clear that we need to remember that the Lord disciplines those whom he loves. For these sufferings prove that through faith in Christ, we belong to God's family. The fact that the Lord disciplines us verifies that we are his children and shows how much he cares for us because he longs us to be as fruitful and like Jesus as possible. You'll remember, I'm sure, that Jesus said that anyone who is his disciple must deny themselves, follow him, and take up their cross daily. And the Hebrew church has been reminded in this letter already that whilst it's immensely rewarding being a follower of Jesus, it's nonetheless not easy. Ours is a strenuous race, demanding steady perseverance. We must surely be encouraged by the fact that we're surrounded by former contestants who are witnesses to us, to the faithfulness of God. They finished the race. Now it's our turn. We must run it. Yet although those witnesses can inspire us, they cannot strengthen us. For the necessary qualities of continuance and endurance, we need to look away to Jesus, who not only offers a perfect example, but imparts the necessary help. So then, despite the hardness of life and the purpose of pruning and discipling of our loving Heavenly Father, how is it that you and I together run the race? Well, that's what the writer to the letter of the Hebrews tells us in these first three verses of Hebrews 12, which is where we're going to spend the remainder of our time. And in those three verses, the writer gives us three things as we run the race. Firstly, he tells us what we, what we must reject. He tells us how we must run. And then thirdly, 
where we must look. So then firstly, he tells us what we must reject. Verse 1 of chapter 12. Look at it with me. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely. We cannot be afforded, my friends, to be hindered in the race that we're running because it has such eternal consequences. Two items can impede our progress as we run. Weight. Weight will restrict our activity whilst sin will mar our performance. The Greek word for weight is onkon, and it means a sort of a a physical weight and refers to a burdensome load. It can also refer to superfluous clothes and anything which handicaps us or gets in the way of us running the race. What's more, our author says that the spiritual athlete must also throw off or lay aside the sin that clings so closely. The sin which clings so closely all too easily entangles us. And before we know where we are, we've tripped up, hurled to the ground in a race which had all the possibilities of triumphant victory. Now, I'm no runner, believe me, but any true athlete has a finely tuned body which is slim and supple, And they wear the flimsiest of running gear, don't they? To enable them to run as freely and as unhindered as possible. So as you run the race, as I run the race, I wonder, what is it that you need to reject? Or what is it that you need to throw away in order to follow Jesus more faithfully? as you run the race that he's set before you? Is it a thing? A person? Maybe it's a habit, an attitude, or maybe an ideology. Maybe it's a stubbornness. I don't know what it is for you. Only you know what it is for you. And if nothing comes to mind immediately, can I encourage you over the next couple of days to ask the Lord what it is you need to lay down or throw away, that you might run with perseverance. In the quiet time that you spend with him every day, just ask him, Lord, what is it that you long I lay down that I may run more effectively? And then listen. Just be quiet. And see what the Lord says to you and lays on your heart. So the first thing is we must reject weight and sin. Then the writer tells us how we should be running. 
Have a look, it's in that verse, first verse as well. Let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us. So he tells us how to run. We're to run with perseverance or endurance. It's a letter that you've probably, it's a word rather, you've probably come across already in this letter because the idea of perseverance and endurance is quite a theme in this particular letter. We're reminded that Jesus endured the cross and before his death endured from sinners such hostility against himself. As disciples of Jesus, we must surely realise that to follow in the footsteps of Jesus is to experience opposition, pain, suffering and even rejection. And running with perseverance is only possible whilst we're looking not to the encouraging witnesses, not to the other contestants that are running with us, not to the ultimate goal or even the promised reward, no, but to Jesus Christ alone. For he is the only one who can help us as we run the race. Because if we don't run with perseverance, with our eyes fixed on Jesus, the chances are we'll drop out because of distraction or we will collapse with exhaustion. So then how do we run the race with perseverance? And this is the third and final point. And we're told in verses 2 and 3 of chapter 12, look at it with me. It's about following the example of Christ, fixing our eyes on him. What does he say? Looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of that joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such hostility against himself from sinners so that you may not grow weary or lose heart. Where, we, where must we look? Well, during the race, the eyes of every Christian athlete needs to be directly, firmly, continually focused on the Lord Jesus himself. And the word here that is used for looking indicates someone who looks away from something to something. So you look away to. The writer here is telling us to look away from anything other than Jesus because we eye, our eyes need to be fixed directly on him. And then in those few verses, the writer to the, uh, the Hebrews tells us about what Jesus can do as we look to him, or who he is, what his characteristics are, encouraging us why we should look to him. And I just want to leave those with you this morning. So he encourages us to look away to Jesus, the compassionate man. The human Jesus has known our experiences of trial and adversity. 
When you and I feel that we cannot summon up one more ounce of energy for the race that is set before us, we must think of the race that was set before him. He endured through his court, though his course was comparatively more difficult than ours. Jesus triumphed. And if we fix our eyes on him, we can too also in his strength. We must direct our gaze to Jesus, the victorious pioneer, our writer tells us. Christ is described here as the pathfinder or the trailblazer of faith. He certainly initiated faith as Christians, but he's also the pioneer of those Old Testament saints whose valiant deeds have just been described in chapter 11. He did not fail them, and he will not disappoint us, for he is our pioneer. And then we must fix our attention on Jesus, the only perfecter. He brings the faith of the former saints and ours to triumphant completion. Jesus alone makes it all perfect. Sure, our moral integrity is essential. Our devoted service is valuable. Our spiritual experiences can be inspiring and illuminating. But none of those things can bring our faith to completion. We rely totally on Jesus. For he ran the greatest race right to its finish. And we can come to fullness in him, only in him. And then we're told to look at Jesus, who is the devoted servant. Jesus came into this world to do God's will as a lowly and obedient servant. You'll remember that he took the form of a servant and he did not count his equality with God a thing to be grasped. What an inspiration for us as we run the race together. And then the writer says we must look away to Jesus who is the effective priest. He tells us that Jesus is seated in the heavens as ascension reminds us. Of course, there will be times when the weights of life hinder our running, impede our progress, and mar our witness. And at such times, we're told to look away to Christ and recall that he is seated in the heavens. His saving work is complete. And if we look to him in faith and in penitence, we can receive the cleansing we need and the forgiveness that he alone can bestow. For he is the only one who can remove the obstacles in the path ahead. We're then encouraged to turn our eyes to Jesus, who is the enthroned Lord, for he is at the throne of God. Jesus' redemptive work is complete. He waits for the time when God's kingdom will finally and fully be established. And that great moment when every tongue shall confess his lordship. Remember, our frail lives are in the strong hands of Jesus, the enthroned Lord.
And then lastly, we're told to look away to Jesus, the patient sufferer. We have to remember and consider Jesus' endurance in the face of the bitter hostility he faced, lest we become exhausted in the race. As I've said already, the danger is, of course, that due to the hardness of life, we will grow weary or lose heart. You, like me, I'm sure, will have seen on the television um, athletes flinging themselves on the ground in panting relaxation and collapse just after they've surged past the finishing line. And so the writer to the letter of the Hebrews is saying, in effect, to you and I, don't give up too soon. Don't relax before the finishing tape. Don't collapse until the finishing line is passed. Stay on your feet until you get to the end. None of us can hope to stay the course in such a hazardous contest without divine aid. But this letter... And the rest of the New Testament assures us that the promised help is in Jesus. We must look away to him. So the writer has reminded us what we need to reject as we run the race. How we run the race with perseverance. And to whom we should look. The Lord Jesus. And I don't know what are those characteristics that I've just taken us through that the writer talks about that is most helpful for you as you fix on Jesus as you run the race. But can I encourage you to take hold of whatever resonates most strongly with you about what Jesus has done and who he is, that you might gain that encouragement and endurance and strength and perseverance so that you may finish the race the race that he's set before you. Derek Redman achieved every athlete's dream by running in the British team at the Barcelona Olympics in 1992. But halfway through his face, the race, he fell to the ground as a torn ligament left him writhing in pain. The other runners raced past. His hopes and dreams of Olympic gold lying in tatters on the track beside him. But then, amazingly, as the television cameras rolled and as the crowd cheered, he picked himself up and tried to run on. His legs buckled And he had to slow to a walk, but he still kept on going. Then the spectators saw a man come onto the track. The security guards tried to stop him, but he was as determined as the runner. He put his arm around Derek's shoulder and encouraged him to keep going and finish the race. The crowd roared its approval as the two of them crossed the finishing line. The man was Derek's father.
May that be an encouragement to us as our Heavenly Father comes alongside us and encourages us and helps us to run the race that is set before us. Let's be quiet, shall we, for a moment. Maybe you want to ask God something. Maybe you want to ask for help as you run the race. Maybe you want to ask God to help you to throw away stuff that you don't need to carry as you run the race. Maybe you want to ask the Holy Spirit to give you a greater attitude and determination to persevere as you run the Christian race. I don't know, maybe you're tempted to give up. Maybe there's a particular aspect of Jesus that you've been reminded of this morning that inspires you and encourages you. Maybe you just want to thank Jesus for that particular truth or characteristic and ask him to come and put his arm around your shoulder as you continue to run the race or even walk the race that is set before you. Let's just be quiet for a moment. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer.